Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Southcliff Podcast. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Grow Pastor Brian Gilmore with this week's sermon. We are the church, the body of Christ, a people of every nation, tribe, and language. We are one. 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 Jesus prayed that we would be one. 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 So a world divided could see a people united. One in Him. One body. One spirit. One hope. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God and Father. One. 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 I really enjoyed this theme we are in of one. And surprise, ta-da, I get to be one of the ones that get to speak today. Uh, Today's going to be different. Uh, Those who've known me for the eight years I've been here, I'm a guy who paces around. And you're seeing me take a seat, you're like, yeah, he ain't going to stay there. I'm sure some of y'all, because we can't cast lots in church, some of y'all are wondering when I'm going to get up. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6 is our key passage of scripture we pull from. We've been given assignments on the staff who's assigned to preach to this series. And I was giving it a title, and the more I dug into it, the larger it is. And so I'm going to ask for your mercies today as I read my sermon. Because if I'm not careful, we can either end up in major heresy or walk out of here super boring. And so my prayer is that you will grant me that grace, because my personality will still come out, and some of y'all are still holding your breath on that one, um, to see what happens. So my slides I have are not detailed, because I emailed Julie on Friday at 2 o'clock and said, here are my slides. And the first one is our theme slide. The second will say one spirit. And then my main slide that we're going to use is I feel like Hello, my name is Spirit. Because I grew up Southern Baptist, which means we did not talk about the third person of the Godhead quite often. In fact, we ran from that title. The only reason why it's still part of our church is because we sang holy, 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 hymn number one. And usually only on the nights where we were all the call out your favorite hymn. So with that said, I'm going to begin. And yes, it is a, almost a complete monologue. Because if not, we'd be chasing rabbits till Alice in Wonderland. And you're the second service, which means I can stay here all day. Anyway, um, so here we go. Let me introduce myself. Howdy, I'm Brian Gilmore, the Grove Pastor here at Southcliff. Before I'm a job title, I'm a child of God. Through the forgiveness of sins, because of the sacrifice Jesus paid on the cross nearly 2,000 years ago and the miracle that the Holy Spirit did by raising Jesus from the dead. I stand before you a sinner, our city, before you a sinner forgiven and continually thankful for the propitiation or the debt forgiveness program of God through Jesus. 
I hope you can identify with me that Paul's words found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 17 through 18, because the Holy Spirit is showing how there is complete freedom as a follower of Christ. Verse 17 says this, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we will be with unveiled face, behold the glory of the Lord, and from the being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Because of the freedom God provides through Christ, I stand before you today. Every one of us has two options in life today. First is to follow through with the relationship with Christ or reject Christ. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit will use today as a renewal, a confirmation in your relationship with God, or draw you to a deeper relationship with God. Before we get started today, I want to take time to say thank you to a few people. I'd like to say thank you to all the GROW leaders from preschool to senior adults. Since spring of 2020, quite a bit was asked of you. By the grace of God, you answered the call. Our local church is better because of the work each one of you do through the power of the Holy Spirit. Some did not want to adopt technology, but now you have used it to your advantage. Thank you for caring, God's, thank you for, caring for God's crown jewel, and that is his people or the Imago Dei. I would also like to say thank you to our web hosts. This team has not stopped working through this pandemic, and I'm thankful for their ministry. If you're online right now, either with emojis, with the praising hands, hearts, or however you wanna do that, type thank you for this team, for our online team. The other part of the online team are our camera operators, sound guys, and David Hill and his production team. Without this team, our online presence would not be there. If you want to find a place to serve to help impact the kingdom of God, join our camera crew. Side note, we're going all the way to Australia, Hong Kong, uh, Spain. Not counting, we may be able to start a church in Arkansas, Louisiana, and California, and Illinois, because we have roughly 12 people in each one of those areas in a city that watch our services. All because of this team. In preparing for today, I've been praying through how to handle this topic. I've appreciated the heart behind our theme of one, and I've enjoyed preparing for today's part of Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, but I want to handle this correctly. If I don't, we can end up like Southern Baptists who have for over 30 plus years and ignored the third person of the Godhead or the Trinity, or walk out of here more concerned about what gifts we demonstrate than the fruits we are producing in our lives. When I think about this topic, one spirit, my mind can't fathom how to accomplish this topic in less than an hour. So what prayer we will do today is skim the surface of the one spirit. With the Holy Spirit's guidance, we'll push you to know him more. To organize my outline, I'm doing the five W's and an H. Hopefully that will help. You know, the who, what, when, where, why, and how. Please keep this in mind as I use the Bible to show you how we have one spirit that has been active from the beginning and should desire to know him more. For those not familiar with the Bible, I want to give you this thought. We believe the book called the Bible is a collection of 66 books that were written over a 1500 year time span on three different continents, 
40 different people penned the words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And there is one, there is one unifying theme, how God owns this world and is providing a redemptive plan for his creation. So let us read the passage where our one theme comes from. Let us read Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. I'm reading from the ESV. I know Dr. Mari uses NASB, so please forgive me, but it should be pretty close. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So a quick reminder, the who Paul is writing to in this passage is an audience that is the church of Ephesus. Paul is giving instruction to how to live for Christ. Here in this section, reminding the church how a group that is made up of so many different people can be unified in one mission. In fact, in Ephesians 5 and 6, you'll see how there's such different groups. You have anywhere from a master to a child to a husband and wife in those two chapters. This is the one major reason why we are using the passage of our theme. Southcliff is made up of all generations and backgrounds in a thriving relationship with Christ. The only way this is possible is with the one Spirit of God. As well, we will see that is the Spirit's job, which is unity. So let's break down this, this scripture according to this passage. How many spirits are there according to Ephesians 4, 4 for the church to be counted alive? You cannot start loud. How many spirits are there? Yay, this side got it. So let's do it again because uh, last night I saw a group of people go crazy over a particular pigskin game. And I know even in living rooms, they were hulu and connect, connect. In fact, it was so bad that this morning, in Texas, if you're online in other states, football's a big thing here. And um, obviously the palette for the choir was pinks and purples. And by the grace of God, Warren let some people wear maroon. So according to Ephesians 4.4, how many spirits are there for the church? Yay, look, it's even a prop. You, you got an answer. One, that is correct. So let me look at this. One spirit, unlike the enemy, has multiple. For example, later on in Ephesians 6, 11 through 12, it says this. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, that's plural, against the authorities, that's plural, against the cosmic powers, that's plural, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces, that's plural, of the evil in the heavenly places. Excuse me, we read that whole sentence correct. Against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly places. Mark 5, we have a story of Jesus entering the country of Gesenes or Gardenus. I'm going to let you know something. If you're a person who has your quiet time and you don't know how to pronounce biblical words or names of stuff, that is fine. Only people who go to seminary have to worry about it. Ones who teach classes have to worry about it. When you're sitting in my grow group and you're called to read and you can't pronounce something, read it fast. Nobody's going to question you because you didn't get the one called on to say it. So you're good. Um, and he, that is Jesus, immediately met by a man in the tombs who, was cut, who cut himself and was flung on the rocks because of demons. The demons recognized Jesus and started a conversation. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? The demon-possessed man replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly, the demon-possessed man begged Jesus earnestly not to send him out into the country. Now the great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. 
And they begged him, that's a demon-possessed people, or a demon-possessed man, begged him saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission and unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd numbering about 2,000 rushed down the steep banks into the sea and drowned in the sea. In the story of the demon-possessed man, his body was being destroyed, could not be tamed, was naked, an outcast, cutting himself, complete unrest. Our enemy is trying to do the same thing to people in the church as a whole. Also, the enemy does not like the Imago Dei or the image bearer of God. So if, we can if he can destroy the crown jewel of God by any means necessary, he will. Who are you listening to in your life? Multiple voices or the one? Speaking of listening, uh, let us look at Ephesians 4.4 again. What type of noun is used for the word spirit in Ephesians 4.4? Is it a proper noun? How do I know it's a proper noun? Say it out louder because people online can't hear you out there. How do we know it's a proper noun? Capital S. It's capitalized. Just want to bring back for those who have been out of school a while. Capital S. It's not an unnamed object. So what is a proper noun? A proper noun is this. We find out in John's chapter 14 and 16, Jesus gives the spirit personhood and jobs. Jesus even gives the spirit gender. The spirit is such a person that you can even grieve the spirit. Things cannot be grieved, but personhood can. You find that in Ephesians 4.30. See, in John chapters 14 and 16, we see where Jesus describes the spirit. John 14, verse 16 says this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. John 14, 17 says this, that the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because he does not see him or know him, but know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Verse chapter 14, 26 says this, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. In John chapter 16, verses seven through 14, this is what it says. But I tell you the truth, that it is your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And as he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and the righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and, no and you no longer see me. I love verse 11. Hear what it says. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. It's a past tense. It's already won. It's not a future tense. It's a past tense. The enemy's already been judged. In fact, in our grow groups last quarter, you saw that we win through Christ alone. Going to verse 12, if I, if I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. Verse 14 is very important. Big audacious job title of the Holy Spirit. 
He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, that is Jesus, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. In these two chapters, we catch a glimpse of what the job of the Spirit is. Helper. Convict the world concerning sin. And let me pause here. Not sins you pick. The sins that, Jesus, that God's already called sins, which we can go back to the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are the basis of sin, which means all of us are guilty of, because we need to go back and review those, you can, because we place things before God all the time and worship them. I'm sure because all y'all were teenagers, you've disrespected your folks. That just is a giving. And we've bare false witness, and I, I, I'm always amazed how Jesus made it through his adult life. Yeah, he told me to stop there. We're not gonna go there. Um, we've all broken the Ten Commandments other than Christ alone. And that's what sin is in the Ten Commandments. If you have placed your trust in Jesus Christ as forgiver of sins and leader of your life, it is because the Holy Spirit brought you to that truth. Those who do not have the Spirit are not convicted of sin. But see, it's just as it's just activities. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit can somebody know what sin is. Guide to truth. Does not speak on his own initiative. Now check this part. Does not go against the word of God. I get amazed how many times people have a calling of God to do something. And when I look at scripture, I'm like, that's nowhere in the word. Like that's almost totally against his word. That's one of the reasons why it's good to be part of a body of Christ because when you feel like God's calling you to do something, the body of Christ is supposed to, the same spirit that dwells inside God, dwells inside you, dwells inside other believers, and they're able to go, oh, there's a check on my spirit. See, because there's another worldview out there that they like to count that it was a calling of God because they have a burning in their bosom. I'm gonna let you know something. I'm getting to the age now, when I have spicy food, I have a burning in my bosom. It is not of God. It is a show that I'm in need of a savior. But the idea that that is our checkpoint. If your, if your vision or your dream or what you said God's laid on your heart is going against his word, we need to check it because the Holy Spirit's not going to do that. Glorifies Jesus. A great question to ask ourselves when we are deciding, it, is it God's will for me to accomplish something, especially in the church, is who is getting the glory? If you're the one getting the glory, then ask who is leading you to do the task. The Holy Spirit's primary goal is glorifying Jesus, not you. According to Jesus, when is the Spirit coming if we look at John 14 and 16? We find out the answer is in Acts chapter one after Christ ascends, his ascension of Jesus in Acts one. Because we find out in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit brings unity to mankind. Because if you know what happens in Acts 2, anybody out loud know what happens in Acts 2? Pentecost, yeah, we had one person. Let's do this again. Say it louder, because online crowd people doesn't hear you unless you say it loud. What happens in Acts chapter 2? There we go. I hope our online people give us thumbs up online if you heard that. Pentecost, because the Spirit's released because Jesus ascends. But I want to remind you of a funny story. It goes back to Genesis chapter 11. Because again, we're dealing with one. How does the Holy Spirit bring unity? And here's how it looks. 
In Genesis chapter 11, there's a story of how man, meaning mankind, wanted to make a name for themselves and build what we might call a ziggurat, a tower to the heavens. I find the funny part of this story is when God must come down to see this monstrosity. Think about it. Man builds a monument thinking it is something, though God never told them to stop and build this structure. Yet he cannot see it from heaven. The historical event in the Bible is called the Tower of Babel because this is where confusion of our languages came about. See, instead of doing what God called them to do by inhabiting the earth after the flood, mankind chose on their own to stay in one location. Another great sign of what happens when we operate on our own will versus what God desires for us, life becomes confusing. Then we fast forward to Acts chapter two. In Acts 2, 1 through 8, it says this. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place as the disciples. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound of a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. And Spirit gave them utterances. And at the sound of the multitude came together, they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Verse eight, and how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? I'm gonna butcher a whole bunch of names, please forgive me. Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and the visitors from Rome. Verse 11, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. This is showing how the Spirit is starting to bring humans together for one unifying message of the gospel. See, in Acts 8, the same thing with Samaritans in Acts 10 with the Gentiles, showing the same spirit for all humanity. No people group holds the power over another with the gift of the Holy Spirit for the church. This is one major reason we can go from another country on a share trip and share the gospel message in the sand like Zambia, participate in worship services in Hong Kong, or share one verse evangelism right here in the States, because the same spirit is working globally and can overcome our weaknesses. Because the spirit is for all humanity, we cannot hoard it, but we must share the power of the gospel to allow the spirit to use us. So, where does the spirit reside? According to Paul, once you have been washed, sanctified in name of the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians 6, 11, the Holy Spirit takes residence in the person. You find out in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Verse 19, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so to glorify God in your body. This is a huge thought when you think about it. The Spirit of God lives in you and you are no longer yours. Sort of anti-American, isn't it? You aren't yours. 
When you place your trust in Christ, you are owned by the Spirit and he dwells inside you. This means a follower of Christ has fruits of the Spirit that is found in Galatians 5.22. And if you want to sing at the tail part, because I can't say self-control without going self-control, then do the same thing. Verse 22 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. A follower of Christ should be devoting themselves to growing these fruits. In fact, a friend of mine this past week said a Pentecostal pastor said the following quote, if you're more concerned about your spiritual gifts than the fruits of the Spirit, you have the wrong focus. Too many times with our church, we would be divided over spirit uh, gifts. Spiritual gifts. This causes one to possibly think, uh, excuse me, I lost my point. Spiritual gifts. If you, do, if you do an exhaustive look in the New Testament, you will notice four lists of spiritual gifts that are not the same. This causes one to possibly think, what if the lists are not the main point, yet through each of us in a local congregation are called to use our gift? See, Baptists are notorious for stating these four lists are it and no more. And possibly some of the gifts are listed are no longer needed. Some of those people, I'm going to say, have never been on the mission field. Once you go to a place where the gospel hasn't been, you're going to be amazed how God's still using a lot of the gifts. Other denominations hold gifts in a hierarchy and start dividing the body of Christ over experiences of gifts. What if both groups are wrong? Maybe the Holy Spirit is showing Scripture how we are to use, how to be used in different situations. Your gift is to help the local body expand the kingdom, not provoke to anger one another in Galatians 5.26. If you're a part of the local church, online or here with us, how are you allowing the spirit that lives in you to use you for Jesus' glory? 1 Corinthians 12, chapters 12 through 14 is how the body of Christ is supposed to work. Nobody who has their cognitive capabilities in the body of Christ is supposed to be a fan, but instead participate in this battle. Did you know that if you participate in Southcliffe, you can take a grace, if you don't know where to participate with your gifts in the Southcliffe family, you can take the grace profile off our webpage and start honing where God wants you to serve. So let me do a quick review of where we've been so far. We have the who. The who is the spirit is for believers in Christ. How? How many? One spirit. What? We looked at the job descriptions Jesus gave for the spirit in John chapters 14 and 16. Where? In believers in the local church. Why does it matter? Well, Dr. Millard Erickson says this about the Holy Spirit. He, that's the Holy Spirit, who had, originally, who had originally inspired the prophets and the apostles to write the scriptures now penetrates our hearts, convincing us that these scriptures are indeed the word of God and thus the truth. He creates certainty, removing any doubt that we might have. A contemporary theologian by the name of Schlermacher defined the Holy Spirit as this, the vital unity of the Christian fellowship is as moral personality. The Holy Spirit has occupied the center stage from the time of Pentecost on. That is the period covered by the books of Acts and the epistles and ensuing periods of the church history. 
Because the only reason you are here today, a follower of Christ and able to understand the Bible is because of one spirit. You remember how I opened today with the introduction and appreciation for those who have helped Southcliff to continue to impact during the pandemic? All because the power of the Holy Spirit used in them to be able to get that accomplished. I want to, I'm going to pull a pastor thing. I don't want to tell you I'm about to close, but I still have more things to talk about. So I want to leave you with these few thoughts. The same spirit that we find in Genesis 1-2 hovering over the face of the waters is helping sustain creation, is working within creation to show what is called general revelation or Romans 1. The same spirit that worked through Nehemiah to get a pagan king to finance a building program is the same one allowing you as a believer in Christ to influence those around you that you do, that, excuse me, influence the ones around you that may not have Christ. The same spirit is used, who used John and Peter to stop at the city gate beautiful in Acts chapter three on the way into a temple on a normal day is active today when you go about your normal day and have what may have been called a God moment. The same spirit that placed Philip in front of an Ethiopian eunuch is the same one that has you taking, talking to people not in your social economic levels or ethnicities. Catch this. The same spirit that led and worked in Jesus in the wilderness during his temptation is the same one with you when you find yourself in your own wilderness. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave is in you and can be used to raise the people around you from death. I'm not just a person who's talking about the spirit, but I'm one that is very thankful for his activity in my life. Here's just a few examples of what the Spirit has done in my life. First of all, is my salvation. I grew up in the church. I had a six-year-old commitment where I came forward, I wanted the grape juice and go swimming in church. It wasn't until I was 12 that I called upon Jesus to be the leader of my life and forgiver of my sins. When I was 17, I answered a call to full-time ministry. Um, well, it was a major debate between God and I because that's not what I wanted to do. He said, that's what you're doing. And here I am almost 30 years later still doing it because if you are praying through that, I'm gonna let you know something. This is the weirdest gig in the world because I never arrive in my job. Until Jesus comes back and we're all in glory, I can go to heaven today and somebody's gonna fill my seat and continue the kingdom growth because I never arrive. That's just one side of the weird side of this job. But more personal is later on in my life when I served in McAllen, Texas. If you don't know, some of y'all know where McAllen is now because the news has made it popular. Before the news made it popular, let me tell you about McAllen. McAllen is one and a half inches west of where the Rio Grande River dumps into the Gulf of Mexico. So you look at Texas, you see where Brownsville is, look past Harlingen, then you get to McAllen. It was actually one of the top 10 fastest growing cities right when NAFTA took off. It's 95% Hispanic, less than 1% African-American. Everybody else makes up the rest. So that means Protestant faiths are not popular down there. So in McAllen, Texas, there's three big Baptist churches. First Baptist, McAllen, Calvary Baptist, and Baptist Temple. I worked for First Baptist McAllen. Now, for those who have ever grown up Southern Baptist, this story is not going to surprise you. 
all three churches, or two of the three churches were birthed out of a split. Not church planting. That's what we called it then. It was a split. Because we in the Baptist church do a great job by grieving the Holy Spirit by carrying anger and grudgery. Is grudgery a word? Grudge? Towards another fellow believer. So here's what happened. First, Baptist McAllen had a pastor. He resigned to go to another church. On his way to the other church, that church said, we don't want you anymore. So he was like, where am I going to go? So he called a prominent person at First Baptist McAllen's congregation. That person rented a party room across the street from the sanctuary of First Baptist McAllen, where that pastor who resigned is now there. The new pastors for First McAllen is in the pulpit. That prominent person stood on the doorstep of this party place and said, hey, Your pastor's not there. He's over here. Boop. Calvary Baptist Church is birthed. Later on, these church churches are going along. Again, I'm just going to say, not the most missional because they're Anglo churches and a 95% Hispanic culture. That's a whole other conversation for another day. Calvary's going along. Personnel committee didn't like this pastor they had at Calvary, so they told him, hey, we need you to resign. He said, okay, let me read my letter of resignation. That Sunday, he read his letter of resignation when he got to the last paragraph. He said, by the way, my wife and I are going to start a Bible study in our house tonight at seven o'clock at this address. You're more than welcome to join. Closed it, left it, walked out the door. Boop, Baptist Temple is formed. So three Baptist churches, the largest ones in town, we're reaching a whopping 300 kids total between the three Baptist churches where we have three 5A schools at the time. Woo, doing amazing work. So we decided by God's grace, God's leading the Holy Spirit, these three youth ministers who are dumb and just love Jesus, we don't know anything about politics, we just know we got three high schools that need Jesus and we're located. So we decided to combine our budgets. I have three grand, the other guy has three grand, the other guy has three grand, so now we have nine grand for an event. We started out with our three youth groups coming together with 300 kids the first time we did it. We called it Valley Explosion. It was before 9-11, so you could use the word explosion. The second year, we had the Assembly of Gods come on board. And nothing's more fun than watching a bunch of Baptist kids thinking they're being contemporary by singing waves of mercy, waves of grace. We think we're being Pentecostal. And then all of a sudden, the banner ministry shows up. Woo! And the shofar in the back room, you don't know what to do with that one. And then Brother Fred shows up. Every assembly of God has a Brother Fred. He's the guy that looks like Jesus who will come and dance on the stage, and they all know what his job is. Baptists don't know what to do because we would tackle him and do a Baptist uh, pennant. We'd do a Baptist rapture and say, you can't come here anymore. So it's fun to watch that happen. I tell you this story because by the time we got finished, over a four-year period, we went from 300 kids with three Baptist churches to 1,500 kids, Lutheran, Pentecostal, Assembly of God, Baptists. Basically, any Protestant denomination was there because we concentrated on making Jesus' name primary. And in that moment, on the last time we were there, one of the greatest, one of my Ebenezer's in my life. If you don't have an Ebenezer, I pray you get one. An Ebenezer is a remembrance of where God worked in your life. So my Eben, one of my Ebenezer's is this event. Joel Engel was leading worship for that week. His band had to leave. We had this no-name uh, local band that was leading worship as the opening act. His name is Job Gonzalez. If you do a search now, you'll find out that Job's a big name in the Hispanic culture for worship. 
And on the last night, Joel Ingalls said, hey, Joe, I want you to lead in your mother tongue and I'm gonna lead in my mother tongue. And we had praise and worship of 1,500 kids, different denominations, in a school where the principal didn't want us, crying out to God in worship in multiple languages. It's about as close as I've ever been to heaven. Every tribe, every tongue, celebrating Jesus. The Spirit reminds me, though as well, excuse me, another way that I am unified under the Spirit is this. The Spirit reminds me that mistreating my fellow Imago Dei, or even worse, a fellow believer, by harboring anger, I could be grieving the Spirit. When we realize that others are gifted and able to follow Christ as our head, the Spirit is free to change lives. I have been doing this gig of church work for 30 years. I get amazed what we hold anger over. The idea that people hold a grievance because somebody is on your door? Your pew? People are dying and going to hell and we're arguing over things that will not matter in the kingdom. And we cause the spirit to be grieved because we're holding anger over things that don't matter. What do we need to do today to make that phone call? Reach out to, bury the hatchet. The reason why we are not powerful, here's an example, what's going on in our convention right now. People are guarding their kingdoms instead of laying their kingdoms down and worried about the Imago Day and the violence that was tried against the Imago Dei. If you don't know what the Imago Dei means, image bearer of God that comes out of Genesis 2, humans are the only image bearer of God. The moment we forget we're image bearers of God, that's when we become racist. That's when we become sexist. So we belittle people because we forget that they're an image bearer of God. And especially if they're a follower of Christ and we're belittling them, you're belittling the spirit of God in them. Think about that. It's not a pew. It's not a style of music. It's not a place on the door. It's not a classroom. We are so spoiled in America where we actually argue over classrooms. Why the grace of God still allowed me to build a sanctuary and a kid's wing all in one day. Because I was in Zambia and they were happy with rocks. The air is not working. You got a fluffy chair and we have a cross on our building. And we're holding a grievance over coffee. Come on now. Another reason why it matters about one spirit is in Romans 8, we find out a few things. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, all things can bring glory to Christ. This means your past can be used to expand the kingdom. So please stop talking yourself out of service. Even when you don't know how or what to pray, we find out the Spirit prays for you. This is in Romans 8. Maybe you have not been in the situation where you can't pray. I have. All I had was the Bible and my groanings, my groanings of anger, sadness, 
depression and frustrations. So the goals are your action points today. Have you ever placed your trust in Jesus Christ? Hey, let's go back to the center camera. If you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ to be the leader of your life, forgive your sins. Today's your day. The Bible says, if you believe that Jesus came, Jesus died, and Jesus rose again for your sins, you shall be saved, period. As I've already confessed at the beginning of this sermon, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I have accepted Christ to be the leader of my life, forgive my sins when I was 12. He continuously works on me daily. Right now, if you're online or in this room, if you've never called upon Christ to be the leader of your life, forgive your sins, right where you are, all you've got to do is confess your sins. God, I know where I've broken your law because I looked at the Ten Commandments real quick because I Googled what the Ten Commandments was and I read that and I have broken them. Forgive me for my sins. I believe you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. Jesus, take my life. I am yours. Amen. If you did that today, we'd love to hear from you. You can do pastor at southcliff.com. Um, talk to me, talk to a staff member. If you happen to have been in a grow group when that happened, talk to your grow group leaders. We want to hear from you. That is primary. We never want you to leave or get offline without knowing who Jesus is as your Savior and Lord. The other part of our goals or action points today is this. How are you using your gifts to help the Southcliff achieve our calling? Gathering people of all generations of backgrounds into a thriving relationship with Christ. The action points are this. Have you gone to our webpage and done the Grace Profile to help you narrow down your gifts? Or maybe, where are you serving now? Did y'all know, those who aren't involved in the children's ministry, that Roger, our children's pastor, actually has his kids already serving? They have leadership roles. And some of y'all are a little bit older than children's ministry and have not fulfilled a role yet. Students, where are you serving? You're not just called to be in the youth ministry. You're here to serve the church. If we know by age 12, Jesus was in the temple already answering questions. Some of y'all can already start working. I need door greeters. I need camera people. During the 11 o'clock service to give some people a break because they're not able to go to grow group. You can do that. Some of y'all are really great on social media. We have everybody over 40 handling our church's social media. Hello, students, young adults, just a thought. Just throwing that out there. Adults that have cognitive ability, how are you allowing the Holy Spirit to use you to show Christ's glory? If you have questions about these or want to get involved, you can email pastor southcliff.com as well. Possibly... Here's the third one. Possibly ask forgiveness from a fellow believer knowing that you could be grieving the spirit because of harboring anger or bitterness. Contact that person. We are the last place that should be holding grudges. Nobody in this place can walk on water. Here's what I know. I'm human. I'm gonna make you mad someday. It's not to hold it against me, it's to let me know. So we do have a better relationship. Because we're all fallen. We have to do that. Because we're the one place that should have healing because outside this world, there is not. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna pray for this service. 
then I'm going to bring us to a close, and then I'm going to dismiss us in prayer. That's the order that must take place. Then, Father, I come to you. I want to say thank you for this message of one spirit. By the sound of my voice online or re-watching the service or in the room today, if somebody in this room has never, ever, ever called upon you to be the leader of the life, forgive their sins. Holy Spirit, right now, illuminate that to them. Bring them specific revelation to their life. Holy Spirit, please, 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 in, in Jesus' name, forgive us where we have squelched you, grudged you, ignored you, are made the gifts more primary than the fruits. Holy Spirit, I ask that those by the sound of my voice will be able to, you would illuminate where they can serve to expand the kingdom. Illuminate maybe relationships they need to mend so we're not harboring bitterness, but instead demonstrating what grace looks like. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this complex concept of the Trinity showing you are so large that it requires us to dive deep into your word to understand you. Jesus, I ask in your name that you will send the helper in our lives this week. That the Holy Spirit, you will give us the vision for our neighbors and those who need you or how to demonstrate grace and you give us the courage to show that. In your son's name, Jesus, amen. From everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com to share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry. Send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.